Hello, this message comes to you from England on a little shiny MP3. This is Mark Lewison, and I'm here to tell you that you are listening to Fab Four Free For All. Let's talk about side two. Do Shall we? We shall. Let us begin. Let us begin commencing our discussion. Outside. Abbey Road. Do. Side two. Side two. We just sound like an FM job. Or, or Alistair hey, Cook. We're about, what you what happened there? I, I went away. Oh. Thank God. All right, everyone. We're about to groove on the Beatles and the new album yeah, from yeah. Uh, the Beatles on, uh, on Apple Records. Man. It's Can you pass side that? Two. Mm-hmm. Abbey Road. Abbey Don't bogart. Here's side two, man. <laughs> I'm going to go into the room and hang out with Allison. But we talked years ago with Pete Fornatel about the Beatles as an FM exploration. You know, the Beatles, the FM side of the Beatles. FM radio really by now had fully, fully taken hold. Right. By the time the album In the United States and Great Britain was different. Yes, yeah. But, you know, here, the album coming out September 69, this was literally weeks after Pete Started right. his full-time gig at WNEW-FM in New York. And this album was a huge feature and if you think on about- FM stations here in the United States. So this had something going for it that really no other... I mean, you had album rock starting as, as much as 67, and you, you know the Beatles got FM play. But now by 69, all markets had a solid, solid FM That's, station. Yeah. So this was when it was really. You should go. You know, people should go back and listen to that Pete Fornatel interview because that's exactly what we talked about with yes. him about how the Beatles and FM were so together. And if you think about the side two is is basically continuous. Were they very together? And very if you think about Sgt. Pepper and the White Album, all continuous. Well, not to be funny, but side two of Abbey Road right. gave FM jocks their first piss break after Inagata yeah. Devita. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, you either put on Time Has Come Today, Inagata right. Devita, some random literally, or you put on side two of Abbey Road. Right. right. You know, and this time you were getting like nine songs right. for the bang of the, that's you know, good. whatever however long it was. Yeah, it, it's something to think about. Yeah, right? when, absolutely. Yeah, so we love you, Pete. So, yeah. so, so start off with side two, Here Comes the Sun. A song that George Harrison wrote as he played hooky from Apple one day. In his words, He's at I Eric sagged Clapton's. off Apple. <laughs> That's what he said. He Sounds said, like but, something you need a tissue for. Well, no, no stop. Year. Sorry. <laughs> he, he actually said it was written, I'll read the quote from the anthology. Here comes a sum was written at the time when Apple was getting like school, when we had to go and be businessmen, sign this and sign that. Anyway, it seems as if winter in England goes on forever. By the time spring comes, you really deserve it. I love that. So one day I decided I was going to sag off Apple, and I went over to Eric Lapham's house, and the relief of not having to go and see all those dopey accountants was wonderful. <laughs> and I walked around the garden with one of his acoustic guitars and, and wrote, Here Comes the Sun. And the Typical be- George. The beautiful open, for those who want to learn it, it's actually pretty simple. It's a D chord with a capo at the seventh fret. Nice. And You're you up. play that. It's actually pretty simple to play, at least the beginning part. It gets a little more intricate as the song goes well, along because yeah. it changes time signature in the middle. And, and you know what the truth is, folks? I've seen a million people play it. You can play it all you want. It ain't going to sound like George. Anyway. No, it doesn't. <laughs> no. It really doesn't. I don't Even George didn't play it like George. Right, exactly. Right. It ain't going to sound like the record. It ain't going to sound like George. You're Next. right. You're right. Even yeah. when he played it with uh, Pete Ham. Yeah. He went off in a different direction. Well, he actually, the most... It sounded like the album was Bangladesh, that, the acoustic. Because when he did it at the Prince's Trust, 
Still right. sounded good. When he did it in 91 with the band in Japan, he did his Dylan. Here comes the sun. <laughs> Here comes it. Oh, stop. You know, and I was like, come on, that's the most beautiful song, and you're Dylanizing it. <laughs> come on. Well, you know, I can understand no. that. No, I can't. You know, if they want to do a, a second single from this. Oh, this was this, this uh, was crying out. This was waiting to be put out as a second. Uh, John single. and Paul were not going to let George have another number Could one. Could you have freaking imagined? No. Could you have imagined if if it was? And I know it's not possible because it was still the Beatles. But can you imagine if it was like ten years later, and the record companies had more say over what right. would get done at a record label, and the record label going, "Look, man, kids, cats and kittens. Sorry, man." Harrison's got to get the next one, man. Here comes the sun, baby. Next, Everyone next likes single. him now. Everyone's like, Everyone likes him now. They're, oh, my God. John and Paul's heads would have just been like... Pfft. But you know what? We forgot to mention on the first side, go back, uh, turn your podcast over again, that Come Together was an incredible leadoff track. We never mentioned that. As album openers go, True. incredible. Okay. And because of the ending, which was also incredible for I Want You, this, was this is an incredible yeah. side opener. Yeah, you're right. That's, that's true. You're so right. For it, side it two of this itself. album, it's, it's beautiful. I'm not sure it would have been the great side one album opener. Right. Because in hindsight, it may, it may have been at the time, but Come Together was better. It was a rocker. But this one is just so perfect. You flipped it over and, and here comes the sun. And even what Rob mentioned during the course of discussing the album, and Rob said about how heavy... You know, yeah. I want you. She's so heavy. Is well, well, and then one thing you, about and then here's the sunshine. The next, well, I right. think Rob's okay. no, I, 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 I was Mitchell. It was me. Okay, but but one thing about oh, his voice. Yeah, uh, I threw my voice. One thing about you, the CD when I want you, she's so heavy ends. How far afterwards do you put? Here comes the sun. Right. Because if you butt it, it doesn't sound the same. But right. I don't think it was a but conscious do, decision. But if you let five seconds go on the CD, is is that a little bit better. It's, 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 it's about three seconds. It's about three. It's Just about to get three, a chance which, to is, breathe. which yeah. is what a normal yes. gap is. But it's almost like that song needs time to end, even after it's ended. So it's it's kind of interesting how you know, that is. Now, Here Comes the Sun, like you said, uh, Mitch, is a song that George, is, you know, when he played live, has always played. It's a good song to play live, too. It's, um, it is. It's and a it, nice acoustic thing, which we yeah. really can't go wrong with and also I love the uh, if you search on YouTube you can see now that there was a lead guitar that's right the, that Danny and George Martin are listening to that was, and it, it's pretty good but right. I, I can see why they left it out oh I can definitely see why they left it out but at the same time it's like wow why would George think you need a guitar solo on this when you have this great finger picking and there's this whole middle section that, and then the sun 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 part which is a totally different part of the song and which to me is sort of the instrumental solo that and Ringo's incredible fills, right. which, as we always said, Ringo said, I never like to do solos, but Ringo played to the song. Yes. And this is the perfect example, <laughs> albeit on the last album, so to speak, but the perfect, perfect example is Ringo playing to that, when you said the finger picking, and him doing the, because it was a different signature. Right. He even says he came off on the 13, whatever he had to do, well, that was like an Indian type thing. And that's interesting that George is back... The Indian mentality is still there, yeah. but he's playing it on acoustic guitar because the sitar is a different instrument, let's be honest. Right, and I don't think it would have worked it on It wouldn't this. have worked. A sitar never would have worked on this song. But it's so cool just to hear Ringo's perfect drumming that 
a company, yeah. not overtake, nope. not doing anything under. It's not even understated. It's beautiful on this whole song. It is, and, and it works. When one of my favorite parts of living in now the material world Paul, you know? <laughs> was when Ringo explained how he did it. Yeah, you know, he he had to count seven or eight beats right. to and fill in. And then it was like I'm on the thirteenth. Yeah. I had to come off the. Yeah, and the fact that he remembered that is pretty wild. But we should say John's not on this. Yeah, at all. Nope. He was recuperating, whatever, and I don't know if he. He never said that this was not a favorite track of mine or not. You know, I would like to have heard. Did he talk about it in the Playboy interviews? I don't think he does. No, but he mentioned that um, when he was talking about the album, the it was on the BBC or Kenny yeah. Everett, one of those. Yeah, yeah. So he, it, he it, did mention. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, he likes it very much. I think. Yeah, he, he yeah, did like he it. Did. He yeah. liked and it. And he's not on it. He liked it. Yeah. Right. Right. So it's kind of weird. Also, we want to talk about the fact too that this is another one of the tracks where you don't realize the presence of the synthesizer unless you listen for it but it is there and it's very oh it's understated but it's there yeah so definitely and also uh george martin's arrangement is excellent that's Um, why he is what he is it's it's also driving it's a driving arrangement. Well, mostly because of the dun 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 yeah that's a right so and and one thing to mention who had a hit with this song his only hit, his only top 40 hit. Richie Haven. Richie Haven. Yep. Went to number 16 in 1971. Brilliant version of this. Totally switched it around. Yep. And it's interesting how the alternate version that Richie did compared to the way the Beatles did it. Because it's just that heavy strum of Richie's. Yeah. Yep. And it changes, you know, it makes you think of the song differently. Is that you could strum the song too. And it, it works just yes. as well. Yeah. So uh, that's um, Here Comes the Sun. The next song is a song that John wrote. He claimed that Yoko was playing uh, what the Moonlight, Moonlight Sonata, Sonata, but he asked for her to play it backwards, and then he wrote the chords to, uh, well, the words to Because. Not sure if that's all there totally, but we know that... I'd like to hear it backwards, actually, Moonlight Sonata. Uh, yeah, we should, actually. I, I'm going to go home and play my entire <laughs> classical album. 436. Backwards. 436. Yeah, it said 436. But either way, the classical chords of Beethoven leaked into this song. But um, Beethoven couldn't sue his ass like Chuck Berry. No, no, he couldn't. couldn't hear it. He didn't hear it. Wow. <laughs> Plus, sorry. Beethoven was rotting away in the ground <laughs> yes. somewhere. Decomposing. <laughs> Salieri pursued them later. <laughs> On behalf of Beethoven. Uh, yes. <laughs> He ended up with his rights to songwriter rights. He bought him in a... Lennon McCartney uh, Salieri. (laughs) Wow, now we're going off on classical tangents. Wow. He had Alan Klein help him. (laughs) Alan Klein is is representing the estate of Salieri. (laughs) Listen, baby, I can get you some money. I can get you some money. Yeah, but he he put it in the Nanker Fledge Limited in the United States while the Stones were in Nanker Fledge UK. I formed a publishing company, Mozarts Incorporated. <laughs> My name's on it, but don't worry about it. I'll give it to you later. And I'm going to sue Mason Williams for using classical gas. I heard he, I heard Mozart wow. had classical gas way before Mason Williams. Very nice. Sorry, look that up stuff. It's pop culture crap. P O P C P. Oh no, P C C. Pop culture crap. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's our new podcast. So, because is a. Three-part harmony done three times. Triple track, yes. Triple track. But if they would have done this, something like this, in, all kidding aside, uh, in 65, 6, or attempted something like this, it wouldn't have sounded the same because four track. 
Right. I don't know if they would have been able to do what they did because of the eight tracks. Well, this this is one of the the advantages of how the eight track technology technology and what was going on at the time at Abbey Road helped this album sound different. And one of the joys I thought of Anthology Three was the vocal version only of the song. Yes. Uh, which actually happened at the yeah, Beatles at Abbey definitely. Road show in 1983, but they were able to mix this out better. Then for Love, Oof. they were actually able to clean up even more. Take out beautiful in Love. Uh, yeah, well, they were able to do it all digital, so they were able to clean up the leaking bits in the, the headphones and stuff. So I happen to like this song a lot. It's, it's a beautiful lyric from John. Uh, it's credited Lennon McCartney, but it's basically... The harmonies the from everybody. And, and, and they said it was the hardest ones they've ever had to do. Magnificent. Well, well he also did them all together, too. Yes. You yeah. know, and that's what I, I really love about this. They could have easily just done it in parts. Okay, George, you go in first. And, sure. And then Paul and then John. And no, they did it all together. And whatever was going on between them as they were sort of breaking up on this record, they were all together on this song, especially. Uh, you know, and that's the... Uh, the one part that bothers me about the Beatles' legacy, and, and I don't know if it's the Beatles' fault or there's just nothing that exists, but they had to know they're the biggest band in the world. On purpose, they didn't put their name on this album because they said we're the, not we, they didn't say it, but the biggest band in the world, they don't need to have their name on it because nowhere on it is, you know. You're right, good point. But the one thing, though, is I wish there was footage of the Beatles in the studio, yeah. for this album especially. There's a lot of pictures, but not like of three of them at a microphone doing because. And also because Let It Be has so much footage. It's like watching the anthology. You see all this footage from Let It Be, the get back sessions, whatever. And then they talk about Abbey Road and there's nothing there. And you wish there right. was pictures. And it's pictures. like, oh man. Right. And there's it, cool pictures. There's some great pictures. But if you look, there's not a lot of pictures of John though. Um, well, a lot of the ones we see are George and Paul by the mic, George with the bass with the, the hair behind the ears and the, and the Fender bass, right. which is odd. You see George with the Fender bass. There's, there's a great picture of John and Paul. They're doing lyrics or something that Linda took. I think, I think it's in her, in her 60s I think it's Abbey book. Road, though. I think it's Abbey I Road. I the White Um. I think it's the white um. Let's see. You sure? I thought I remember John with the hair. But you know what? He doesn't have a beard, so he, he has oh, a beard. All right. So you're okay. right. You're right. It was. Uh, it was so, but that. but there's no real great pictures of John during the Abbey Road. Only those ones that we've seen with Paul at the mic with the bed that have surfaced recently, the Polaroids. Yeah, those are great. And, but yeah, they are great. But again, th- I wish there was more film footage of Abbey Road. Now, again, the Beatles... Uh, they didn't want to see a friggin' film camera anywhere near them yes, at that point correct. was the whole catch, Mitch. I, they I, just, no, no, no. I'm not saying they should have. I'm just saying I wish, wish they would have. Because yeah. uh, especially in a moment like this where all three are doing this well, harmony, oh, my Lord, I would have I given anything to see that in the love thing, you know, just some footage of them doing it while you heard it. It's like, oh. And even Linda not being more prevalent with the still camera. Well, I think they just camera. wanted the private. They wanted yeah. to be well, private. Wasn't she the one who took the pictures that ended up on Hey Jude? There wasn't a film of her that she took, or is that my thinking of something else? No, that's uh, Ethan Russell. Oh, Ethan Okay, but uh, he, t- he took the pictures, but yeah. wasn't there film yeah. from that? You mean, no, the last film footage, August yeah. of 69, that's yeah. her. Yeah, that's right. her yeah. camera. So. Right. And, yeah. and, of course, one of my favorite pictures of I Linda's is the Beatles waiting on the steps at Abbey Road 
before they actually crossed it. Crossed it. And yeah. they just look really well, we'll relaxed. We'll get to that. Yeah, well, that's, we're going to get to that. But, but you're right. There's not a lot of footage, which is probably the leftovers of what happened six months earlier. Well, yeah, right. and it was just yeah. six months earlier. So they were like, look, I'll record and we'll be Beatles again, but not doing that again because yeah. we saw how that went. And that didn't end well. Yeah, it, I mean, it ended well on the roof, but the, it didn't end well. Even the roof, we could just you know, we could talk about that. Two of them didn't want to do that, and one was indifferent, and one wanted it. So, in that whole experience of being filmed, and, and if you think about it, the Beatles were never really filmed in the studio. No, not much. No. I mean, the Lady Madonna by Tony Bramwell. Right. That footage. This uh, footage of uh, yeah, the early the and I night. love her. Yeah, the hard days. But night. other than that, really, do you have a lot of footage of the Beatles in the studio? No, no. no. So right. Right. It's not something they thought of. You know, or or you know. wanted to do. That was their safe haven. Yeah, that's, you know? that's true. I mean, they didn't have any else, any place else. They walked out in the studio and they became the Beatles and being chased and this and whatever and, and hounded. So, you know, their studio was their place that they could right. be Beatles. And uh, I guess they just didn't want it. And maybe that's why, you know, we, we talk about Let It Be, you know, getting released. Maybe seeing that footage really bothers him or would be Paul and Ringo now. Maybe it bothers them more than we think. Maybe. It's possible, I yeah. guess. But, Cause, you know. Because it's their lives. Of and, course. And, and, and of as Rich just said, they didn't really record them footage in the studio that way. So. Right. Right. Well, that whole thing, like we've talked about, was a debacle in terms of that it wasn't really. They weren't going back to the roots of anything. The Beatles never no. made a record like that no. in no. any way. No. So it was not going back to something. It was no. it was a fantasy of what they could have gone back to. But mm. The next song. Songs. Songs. But uh, I... I'm what? What? Why'd you give me the good? Does this, does this start the medley officially it, or it, does Sun King? I, I always thought Sun King. I always think Sun King. I, I do and I don't because this. there isn't a crossfade on this into Sun King. Mm. So it's sort of... To me, the, the medley starts with Because. No, no. I know it doesn't. I, I, I know. I, just in my, my I know thoughts. where you're going with that too, though. But to um, me, it's it's the Sun King medley. I, growing up, I always, I don't know, was that a Roy Carr and Tony Tyler thing? Did they call it that or something? Or, or but, maybe. But I don't know. Growing up to me, it was always the Sun King medley. Now there's this kind of like revisionist thing where you see it being referred to as the medley starts at "You Never Give Me well, Your Money." Well, that's just me. Because because no, it's you I, never I, give I, me your money fades. It does, but it's sort of... It doesn't of, completely no, it, fade. It, it, ding, 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 and, all the weird stuff, and, and then, then it, right into the... I understand, the, but that the doesn't constitute a medley. That, no, but... It, I don't think they recorded You Never Give Me Your Money, and... I mean, I forgot. I have to look at my, my notes. Did they record? Because it said... Well, know, for that according. matter, there's a dead stop before Golden Slumbers. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's a definite... But to me, that's not you know, medley. The, right. That's what I mean. That's so the, there are two medleys, really. It is, but they're sort of knocked together. It really, to me, it starts, if you don't want to have, you you never give me your money, then you're right, you start at Sun King, and it would end. I always called it the Sun King you came in through the bathroom window, there's a little pause, and then, which you need, because it's a slow beginning. You need that space. Sure, but my question is, how is it a medley? Revisionist. Right. I mean, how is it a medley if there's a dead stop in this in the middle? See, to me, the medley was always no, a Sun King medley. No, you can have stop, stoppages in a, in, a, in a musical thing, yeah. and then a beginning, and then it starts that, again. I don't think of that as a medley. I mean, a medley to me, well, actually, even, you know, there I've heard Burt Bacharach medleys where right. in the middle there's a stop. Right. And then they pick it up again, and it's just a, but that always strikes me as, you know, someone doing a collection of a composer's material, you know, as a medley. 
in a, in a Broadway a show. A medley is just a, a collection of songs. It doesn't mean you have to start and stop. It doesn't have starts and stops. Right. <sighs> the Jackson 5 on in concert so, so did a medley is, of their hits. Okay, the so Beatles the movie Beatles, medley. So the Beatles. Oh, God help me. So the, I just throw so, up. So Rubber Soul is a medley. But there are stops in between all the songs, but there's no, a medley. No, there's fade outs on those songs. But there's fade out at the end of Before Golden Slumbers. All right, keep well, going. It's not a fade out. It's, it's a really stop. Just a keep stop. going. Yeah. Let's so, keep so, going. So anyway. Move on. I will say that the medley starts at You Never Give Me Your Money. Tony will say it starts at Sun King. And I say it starts at Her Majesty. <laughs> <laughs> all right, there we go. And this is... Uh, one of those songs where Paul takes different pieces and makes a whole song, and it's he does it very well for almost every time he does something like this. And you this. know, in all seriousness, that's I think you just hit it. That's why I don't think of You Never Give Me Your Money as part of the medley. Because it's a complete because song. Because it's a complete but it's actually, finished thought. It's bits of a, but it's it's bits bits, but it's, pieces. So is A Day in the Life. Out of college, money spent, see no future, pay no rent, sounds nothing like the beginning of the song. And neither does woke You're up, right. fell out of bed. So yeah. is that a medley? So, so yeah, would I have felt better if the song was called You Never Give Me Your Money, Out of College? Right. No. You know, no. No, but really, it's, I guess me, maybe I always, that's... But it's Paul is his own little medley for right. this song. Well, let's face but, it, Paul loves that he, stuff. He, he Guys, we're overanalyzing you know, because every song the Beatles did could... Well, not every... No, not everyone. A lot no. of songs Beatles did... Could easily Beatles? What are you, Yoko? Beatles, <laughs> Beatles must say. <laughs> no, but it's it's a it's, lot of songs that the Beatles did, uh, especially when you got like Paul and John doing the contributions together, like a day in the life. Right. That could be a considered medley. They're made up of different bits of songs. Right. In this regard, I really think I always considered you never give your money as a full song. I, I what? You're raising your hand. Paul's own medley. All right. So what's the difference then between a medley and a suite? Good point. We'll call, why don't we call it a suite of songs instead of a medley of songs? I don't think that that's sweet. No, because you never give me your money as a suite. Well, it's its own unique suite. It's a, it's a suite within a medley. Suites cost a lot more money than a regular standard room. <laughs> that's true. Anyway. You, you get a little more extra I'm, I'm room. Gonna, you know I'm going to want to. You might get a sauna in there. At some point, I'm going to want to go in like, like a to actually read the musical definitions of both and see what the hell we're <laughs> really we talking about. done that before. Somewhere there are like a bunch of musicians sitting at home going, wow, these guys are really idiots. Anyway. But anyway. And, and would that be a first? True. <laughs> no. So no. to me, this kicks it off, but it's also Paul's little way of presenting songs, which he's done all his life. As a writer, you know, Uncle Albert out Mahalsey is a great example of that. A bad band example of it, a band on the run, a bad example is Power Cut, Lazy Dynamite yeah. on, um, Hands of <laughs> on Red Rose Red Speedway. Speedway. But this sort of kicks in. Uh, Sun King gets uh, the beginning with the crickets and that sleepy guitar open, which um, it just has a, a nice wake up almost. It's almost like a, you wake up. And, you know, you hear the crickets in the morning, and here's the Sun King. You know, here comes the Sun King, which is also borrowing from Here Comes the Sun. Well, we didn't even talk about You Never Give Me Your Money. I was just about money. to say, how well, did we skip over You Never Give Me Your Money? Okay. It's about well, Alan Klein wow. and the funny part. I mean, it's just well, a great song. I mean, it's just it's also just an ass-kicking song. Well, That's it is an ass-kicking really, song. I mean, it's just an ass-kicking track. But it's uh, about, like you said, funny papers all, Paul even said, Funny paper. We always got these pieces of paper that said how much we earned. We never got the money. We right. just got all the funny paper. This is really, it's funny. For a, for a band that was, quote, getting back together to do one last album, even though that wasn't the official thing, they were sure letting all their crap out on this lyrically. Yeah. I mean, Alan yeah. Klein must have heard just went, up yours, you ass. 
think about it, this whole thing is really you never give me your money. It's about Alan Klein. And what gets me is though at that and point Beatle the other business. Beatles must have been feeling the same. You know, here was the whole huge breakup about to happen over the Alan Klein thing. But didn't George read that lyric and chuckle, or hear that lyric and go, "Yeah, you know that is true, isn't it?" You know, didn't George think that as well? That's what I'm saying. Like now they're gonna about to have this, or they're in the middle of having this huge fallout over Alan Klein. Right. Paul writes this song, kind of puts it out on the table there. Right. right. And the other three go, "Oh, great song, Paul." Next, you know, like I'm what? Sh- I'm sure they knew what was going you know? on. It says here the backing track of "You Never Give Me Your Money" was recorded on May sixth. Right. May 9th was the yeah. you know the showdown date. Yeah. That uh, we always know about with Paul and the others. Right. So. Right. You know, obviously he was thinking about it beforehand when he wrote it. Everything with Alan Klein coming into the picture, and so to speak. What is the, and, and I don't know if either of you guys will know this, but why the children's rhyme at the end? Is it relevant in any way? Was it putting together a piece of a melody that fit in? Symbolically, where does the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven come from? Did it mean like, you know, we've all been good through all this ridiculousness that's going on? Like, why did he put in... Of all strange things that could go at the end of a Paul McCartney song, where did one, two, three, four, five, six, really seven, all good children go to heaven? To put in the Paul McCartney. I, I, I think it was a John thing. I never. I always thought it was more of a John thing. Maybe um, it is. Maybe it know, was just. Maybe it was just like a, a rhyme that came up, and it sort of fit in, and it was able to fade the song out with having that on top of the fade out. If they're going to go, all right. It's the countdown at the end of Helen Wheels, right? Yeah, it's so just, the, it's just one, two, three, some, four, five, right? Yeah, something along that la- that way. But I don't know. That's a that's always a good point. But you know, it took us years to find out Queenie Eye, at least here in America, was well. But what, I mean, one, two, three, four, five, seven, you know, kids game. Yeah, I mean, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That that never do it. That's just a little rhyme, you know. But but why? We're at the end of that. But anyway, I, one could say, am I thinking too much? But it's kind of like that's why we're here. But yeah. anyway, well, sometimes, sometimes we don't think at all. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Anyway, so yeah, man, my opinion on that, it's just that's just a killer a, song. Yeah, it is. It's just a great song. And there it was is. some great jams you know, on it at the end of some of the outtakes yeah. we've heard. Oh, yeah. And I, it goes on. It sounds really good. Yeah, and I just, I love the, just that whole, it's kind of got a heart of the country type thing about just getting the car Pick up the bags, get in the limousine, which is a funny line there. You know, heart of the country, we're going to hop in the car and we're going to go for a sweet little drive in the country. You know, pick pick up the bags, get in the limousine. Or two of us driving nowhere. Two of us driving nowhere. We'll be away from here. Step on the gas and wipe that tear away. away. But in the limousine. They're a little more fortunate than you and I. Is he, you know, and then you could really get, I am just getting out there here. Is he talking about Paul and Linda or is he talking about Paul and John? That's, uh, we we'll don't. never know. You know, we'll we never know. We Maybe heard. it was just that last minute thought of, shoot, man, what if we just, get you know, let's just here. get out of here, man. You and me, the deal, and, and we we reformed the bond. Who knows? But It was written in know. May after the recording of Ballad of John Yoko, so. so there you go. Anyway. So uh, the next song be, is right. Sun King. Not to be confused with the old Frozen Dinner's Chung King. Which yes, is very, well, of course. Uh, yeah, here comes the Chung King. Yeah, so they tried to use that in a commercial. It didn't, yes, they didn't, w- didn't get the rights. Yeah, but, right. but know. they used a the diaper head. Oh, my goodness. Go ahead. That, well, that's something else. Go ahead. So Sun King is basically a, um, basically a John riff, and they, they sort of added little things to it. Here comes the Sun King. The Sun King was Louis XIV. I assume they're mentioning – that's why they mentioned him. 
he was the Sun King because right, beautiful yeah. harmonies just like because yeah, oh, um, it's a good continuation of because actually yep, and maybe it should have been in the medley with maybe before you never give me your money. Never but, understood why all the Spanish phrases. I think that was just John it, goofing Juan around, goofing around, and then they just kept it. Yeah, yeah you know, I, yeah. I don't but they think they did it harmonies to. on it, so it's well, not. because it probably sounded fun. I mean, he, John, right. John probably did it as a gibberish thing, going, okay. "You know what? Give me a couple of days, I'll think of lyrics." <laughs> you know, and then he came back in, and and he just, went, oh. he just went, he just went. No, you know, mucho, I mean, isn't some of it is it's. Uh, <laughs> Some of it is is gibberish, right? It's not it sounds true gibberish, Spanish. but it's no. I, I to me at the same time, it's if you're not paying attention, it almost sounds like something Could legitimate. I, can you Google those and see if it means anything? <laughs> can I? I can certainly. Uh, oh, wait, now watch. It's the first time we've ever done this in a show. Conscious break. While Tony Googles something, you will now have an edit. All right, having taken an edit here, when you uh, when you got to, it's always hear, good when you can take a good edit. Yes, um, <laughs> this is a quote from John in 1969. He was interviewed about the lyrics, and John said, "We just started joking, you know, singing Cuando para mucho, and we just made things up." Paul knew a few Spanish words from school, you know, so we just strung any Spanish words that sounded vaguely like something, and of course, we got chica ferdi. That's a Liverpudlian expression, just like sort of, it doesn't mean anything to me, but sort of childish taunting like na 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 na. So Chica Ferdi was a, something that you must I have said jokingly to somebody. I wonder if you put it into like Google Translate, cuando para mucho, because corazón is heart. And when, yeah, sure, uh, but can I, can I also toss something out? When did the first Crosby, Stills, Nash album come out? Don't know. 1969. There you go. Was Did somebody hear, Betty, Oh, you mean Sweet Judy Blue Eyes? Yeah, did somebody hear the end of Sweet Judy Blue Eyes? When did that come out? Uh, We're going to take another edit here. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and we are back uh, from that edit. Just to let you know, actually, it's interesting because... And we are talking about the other... Yes, Sweet Judy Blue Eyes was released as a single in September of 1969. So it was released after the Beatles had already recorded. But did the album come out? Maybe they just all liked speaking Spanish. No, but I I mean, so obviously it was not an influence, but how funny is that, that they both did the Spanish gibberish? No. Anyway, okay, so next. Okay, Okay. so Sun King. And we should say, by the way, that we're not going to talk about the structure of the medley in terms of, oh, well, we did it in one take, because I don't know who I believe. Uh, I don't believe. First of all, they did do it in one take. They recorded bits and pieces Right, but George said we did it all together, and it was great, blah, blah. I don't want to get into that, because we weren't there, and no matter what anybody says, I don't know if we should be talking about that. Let's just talk about the songs itself. Yes, I agree. So Sun King, we also should mention, you were just mentioning, Tony, that on the Love album... They play it backwards as... Gnicknus. And it actually works very good. It's gorgeous. <laughs> as a backwards yeah. track. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's like, wow, where'd this come from? Then you see Gnicknus. I'm like, hmm, what's that? Uh, hmm. Somewhere John was up there going, good on you guys. <laughs> I'm sure Nicely done, Giles. Yeah, so it works very well. And then it goes into John's going, something. Damn, we should have done it on the release first. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, Sun King... Then goes into Mean Mr. Mustard. By four McCartney songs, actually. Doesn't what? it? And must, oh, after Mean Mr. Mustard and Paul and Pam. Yeah. They and then they go to right. the four McCartney. Right. Sorry, sorry. It's okay. Edit number eight. Number eight. So Mean number Mr. Eight. Mustard, which uh, 
you know, it's instead of his sister Pam, it was his sister Shirley, Shirley. on yeah. the original yep. uh, version, uh, which didn't fit. No, but well, it didn't fit. But it would have if the song had been standalone. We never would have thought anything right. of it. Right. If it was just his sister Shirley works right. in the. It actually kind of has a cute unless syncopation with Shirley. works in the shop. Right. But once you now link it to Polythene Pam, and, and this is where you know, where where John dismisses the the whole yeah. medley thing, he's changing lyrics to fit the medley. Yeah, his sister Pam yeah. works in the shop. Right, you know, so demented little family. He, anyway, he knew <laughs> he knew what, yeah, what was going on, and, and I don't know why he wasn't taking credit. You know, hey, he, there's a lot of stuff of his inside too. Right, you know. Well, so, he he right. just said my contribution is Polythene Pam. Sun King and me, Mr. Mustard. We juggled them about till it made vague sense. In me, Mr. Mustard, I said his sister Pam originally was Sister Shirley, as you mentioned. I changed it to Pam to make it sound like it had something to do with it. They are only finished bits of crap that I wrote in India. Yeah, and he well, said that in 1969. Again, he, he, it was, it, it, I know. It's amazing that, that one-year difference. Well, he said this in 69. Yeah, I know. But in 68, he's, I'm sure he liked me, Mr. Mustard, and Polythene Pam. I, can I, may I toss this out, though, honestly? Yes, I love this album, and I love the medley. But the the whole is far greater than the sum yes, of the parts. Yes, yes, I, Because I'm sorry. If you really take Mean Mr. Mustard, no, no, Polythene no, you said Pam, that wrong. No, no, the whole the whole is greater, greater than, than the, the sum of the, the sum of the parts. Yes, the, if you that's take right, each of the right. parts and you add each of the parts, the value of each of these parts up, it's not as good as the whole if thing. If you were to separate each one, it's okay, they're yeah. not it, they're it not doesn't work as much. I mean, to me, me and Mr. Mustard, Polythene Pam, they're crap. I mean, they're, they're really I would call like them crap, but they're, they're they are crap. I mean, they're they're bits, they're, they're bits. bits, and oh, that's they why they had to be put together this way. They're wonderfully. Each of them have a, a delightful cleverness. You couldn't make these full songs. No, no. It's like Her Listen, Majesty. You know, when they right. do the longer version, there's like a minute version I mean, of it. Guys, it's like what, what look the at when that? he tries. I mean, Mister Mustard got to get the million only got to get them in the house. And I mean, he's doing Madman after it, right. and he's still. There's no direction for where to take Mean Mr. Mustard to well, bring it somewhere that's else. That's why I don't like Anthology 3. Anthology 3, when you hear Mean Mr. Mustard sleeps in the park, shaves it, Mean Mr. And it just keeps right. going on. And Polythene Pam, too. As standalone demos, they're boring as crap. Right. Well, right. But that's, really what they, are. that's what they made at that time. And that's Understood, why they ended up on it, this album. But, right. it, but it's interesting to talk about a rescue. It is part rescue, and but think about it, they're, they're working with George Martin, who can help them rescue. Yes, you know? but also yes. John wanted, as we've said, he wanted. It was a compromise. He wanted everything on his on one side, Paul's on the other, so they compromised. Uh, so maybe that's why John said, you know what? I don't care if I all this crap I wrote in India gets on side two. My best true. stuff is on side, side one. one. Yeah, but you know, maybe. also too. But you, he's part of that a lot. You got to, yeah. you know, as far removed as he was from it at this point, and as much as he was the Beatles guy. Look at what George Martin's background is in. George Martin's background was classical music. Classical music, a piece of music went on for a minute and five seconds. Right. You know, an, an allegro went on for a minute and five seconds and linked to a, something else, a different type of track. And when you put them all together, they were brilliant. When you, If you right. took a, a one-minute, five-second classical piece and put it out on its own, hang, hanging in the breeze, mm. it meant nothing. Well. So in a way... It, I can see that. Yeah, yeah it no, shows the yeah. genius of the of the and, album, and that's why it works so well. Is, is yeah. And if if they had picked another producer, right, which maybe could have happened, right. You right. know, the, you know who whoever was the hot producer at the time, right. 
you know, it wouldn't have been the same album. No way. And you, you know, no. you don't get together at Beatles sing-alongs, pull out your guitar, and go, "Hey, let's just do Polythene Pam on its own." Right, right. No. You know, you're right, anyway. no, you're right. No, you're right. So, sorry. That's very good point. You're right. A lot of these songs don't stand a standalone. No, they though, can't. Though, no. Joe Cocker did a great version. Of oh, she came, came in through the bathroom, bathroom window. window. True, but, but that's a full song. But he, but he turned yeah. it into a full song. He had it. Um, a solo in it. He yeah. had a backing chorus in and it. And even the song itself, you don't know what the hell it means. So that kind of makes you go, hmm? you know, but anyway. So. But, I can guess what it means. Sure. No, yeah, I don't think nice. it means that at all. No. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm not wrong. My opinion. Yes, you are. You're wrong. <laughs> you know, opinions are like, everyone has one. And I got two of them right here. Oh! I got two opinions right here. Thank you. Thank you very much. Anyway. Uh, I'm part of the third opinion. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> next. Okay. Uh, done. Our next song on the medley that continues. Melody. Is two songs recorded as one. Two totally different songs, but they said, okay, we're going to have this little bit in the middle and two, be two songs. Two, 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 two songs, songs in one. one. Polythene Pam. Oh, I thought it was a day in the life. Oh, no. And, and she came in through the bathroom window. She did? Yeah, she did. And what was she doing there? She was hanging out saying, hey, man. Now, can we take a moment here at this point in our proceedings before we go right into Polythene Pam no. to add the idea that in the huge melody, originally, <laughs> yeah. well, I say that because know, that's what it was written up as. Yeah. It. In the huge melody, there was this little 22-second thing That's true. that in was going middle, to be between. In between, you're right. Me and Mr. Mustard and, and Polythene Pam. And Who was between Her Majesty? <laughs> <laughs> wow, disgusting. that was kind of a little bizarre, bizarre menage a trois. Was, what, wasn't, uh, me and Mr. Mustard, Polythene uh, Pam, and her, her husband, Majesty. and Her Majesty. I guess it was her husband. But yeah. yeah um, right. There, and there was this little piece, a 23-second piece that Paul did himself, right? which doesn't fit Anywhere, Anywhere in this medley. I love it in the medley. It I think it's really fun in the I medley. I actually heard the bootleg of it. Yeah. I said, what are they thinking? That you've got this driving medley, right. and all of a sudden, Her Majesty's pretty nice. Goes, but that's say. what's fun about it. It it's was like, just kind of like, it was a big WTF in a way. <laughs> but obviously, smarter heads prevailed. And, and, and cut. Yeah. Paul, and it, Paul right. said, let's get rid of that. And... The EMI mentality came through. Save everything. And you cut it. You put a little bit of leader tape yep. at the end. 18 and seconds. 18 seconds of leader tape at the end, which, which is, is a, a lot. tape that has no audio right. on it. And you leave it at the end of the reel. And we'll, 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 yeah, we'll and they, look at that later. And when they made the acetate, they didn't realize this. The They followed what was there. And when Paul heard it, they go... That's the end. Song. That's the ending. So that's 20, why what? eighteen seconds of silence, right? Yeah. And then you get twenty-two seconds of of Her Majesty. Of Her so Majesty. we, you know, here we are. We're jumping out of sequence in terms of how we're right. talking about the album. But yeah, this we're covering Her Majesty right now, but only because it because, was originally before Halloween. Yeah, Pam. sure. And from the sonic standpoint, right. you can absolutely hear that. Right. If you hear that last note, which was dropped off, was. We should say the, the tape op, his name tape is John op. Curlander at yeah. EMI. Yep. So thank you for following the rules, John. Uh, they're very strict over there at EMI. But it, one more thing about it. The version that's on there is not the clean version. It has that. It was a dirty version? Well, it's not. <laughs> it's a second generation, really, because it sort of was cut out. Because it has the, the last chord of um, Mean Mr. Mustard. Oh, I'm actually a pretty nice girl. Boom, boom, you know, there's boom. a little overlap. Oh, there. I see so, what you mean. Yeah. You're absolutely right. So, but if we so, cut, because we have heard the clean version where it doesn't have that. 
material on it. So, but we are now going to hear from John Curlander. John, no, I'm kidding. For in it was March, my greatest thing I ever did at EMI. No, actually, when uh, can I read a quote from him? Sure. Uh, right from uh, the Complete Beatles recording sessions by our friend Mark Lewison. We did all the remixes and crossfades to overlap the songs. Paul was there, and we heard it together for the first time. He said, I don't like Her Majesty. Throw it away. So I cut it out, but I accidentally left in the last note. He said, it's only a rough mix. It doesn't matter. In other words, don't bother about making a clean edit because it's only a rough mix. I said to him, what shall I do with it? Throw it away. I'd been told never to throw anything away, so after he left, I picked it up off the floor, put about 20 seconds of leader tape on it, and stuck it on the end of the edit tape. There you go. Afraid of Paul McCartney. Yeah, well. It sounds like he was almost more afraid of his bosses. Right. You know, McCartney was probably like, throw it away. He did. EMI, but his bosses were going, save those giblets. Save the liver. Save those giblets. (laughs) Right. And it was a giblet. Yeah. So that's true. We we should mention that. That was where the placement. And it would be nice if they actually had a yeah it would uh, be the, cool the to full have. release of it yeah, yeah it wouldn't hurt at this point in, well, in they're never going to do that we know that no. we know that okay so polythene pam polythene pam interesting song great guitar stuff from from george in that song really hard chords from john hard strums like he's trying to make a point boom 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 yeah boom there's a lot of i don't want to say anger in the chord playing but it's very simple chords. It's a D and an A there, and I think it was an E or a G. I forget which one. But they're very simple chords. And the part with George's guitar solo is it's just like D, A, E, which is very simple chords. Yeah. But yeah. the way it's being strummed, it just sounds a little harder. It, it almost sounds like they put it through something, too. Uh, it, possible. You know, just the way yeah, it sounds. possible. And it, it's, I love the guitar solo in that. George Croft oh, playing I do fantastic. too. The screaming guitar yeah. solo in that. So, yeah. I, I really enjoy that. And you know, then I, that little laugh right before uh, Lookout is like a little yeah. giggle. I'm like, what the heck? It actually about? sounds like something <laughs> verbal. Like, yeah. come on. It almost sounds like he says, come on, Mal. Oh, it almost uh, like, listen to that now or something uh, like that. Yeah. yeah. I, I never know what exactly that is. If anyone can fill us in, please let us know. But anyway. Mark. <laughs> Mark. So this is sort of the end of, if we want to be uh, official, the first part of the medley. No, it's not. She came in through the bathroom window. No, he oh, said I'm, like I'm, that. Oh, you know. Well, I'm sorry. She came in through the bathroom window with yeah. what we talked about and the guitar solo and stuff like that. Yeah. Which was actually written about a fan that... Came into Paul's window. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's true, actually. This is the one, that's the one track on the album that actually has some... Meaning. Yeah, because some it actual, happened. Came yeah. through his freaking bathroom window, landed on his toilet. <laughs> and also, one thing about she came in through the Good bathroom window, if you think about George guitar playing on it, he's sort of doing those little fills that he likes to do that Paul wouldn't allow him on Hey Jude, but or, allow or him hello on goodbye. That's or right. Hello goodbye. Those little... Yeah, those little, those little riffs right. that he likes to do. Uh, Paul allows him on this song. Interesting. Because they are being nice to each other. Remember, it's the last album. Well, they, they don't know that. I, you know, but well, they all did yeah, know they that. They sort of man. did. Come on. Yeah, we know that. So I, I like that song a lot. I, and I we talked about Joe Cocker's version, which I liked a lot too. Uh, then in the last part of the medley starts. So there's a little pause. Uh, then you have this beginning piano part with golden slumbers and continuing the tradition of uh, borrowing lyrics <laughs> from someplace else. Sure. Uh, part of the lyrics were from a a poem. poem from Thomas Decker from like the 1600s. 17th, 17th century, yeah. Well, 1600, yeah. Right, yeah, thank you. So uh, 
You know, so there's nobody to pay. Yeah, this, <laughs> that's, that's copyright it's fridge. Alan Klein again. Yep. I got you, Thomas Decker. I'll I, get it. I get you. Uh, and, I represent and, Thomas Decker's and, estate. And basically, Paul <laughs> borrowed the lyrics, Golden Slippers, oh, yeah. Kiss Your Eyes, Sorry. Smiles Awake You When You Rise, Sleep Pretty Wontons, Do Not Cry, Wantons. and I Will Sing a Lullaby. No, it's not Wontons. Wantons. It's We're not, not having it's Chinese not food. Sleep Pretty Little Dumplings. It's sleep. <laughs> I'm sorry. I did not suggest that. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, my, you're right. It's, 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 <laughs> Wow. I can go for some wontons. I can go for some wontons. Can you tell we've not had lunch yet during this recording session? Sleep little wow, wontons. Do not fry. Do not fry. Wow. Fried Sorry, wontons. We just, we just totally killed the wow. song. But the music was different. It's the, a beautiful lullaby the, about the one lullaby, Chinese food. Paul borrowed the lyric, but he didn't. he wrote new music to it. So technically... Yes. He can't get sued. A beautiful song. So good for Paul. It is. No, but it is a really beautiful song. It is song. a beautiful and it's song. Interesting. I sang it to my son when he was born all the time. And it, it's interesting how how it goes into carry that weight. It's yeah. it's almost, you know, that golden slumbers is. Yeah, but it's not what you think because carry that weight was a, 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 a different type of song, you know, than golden slumbers. It is, but, but it, it's also messages and goodbyes and, you know, the sleep pretty darling, you're not crying, I will sing a lullaby is yeah. is also I mean there's a There's a sweetness to it. There's a sweetness to it, but there's also a, a, a something is passing. I, I get a vibe out of that song. I always have. Good, oh, I like that. Because the music has that feeling too where something's passing. Something is going something is going by. It's time for you know, sleep pretty darling, do not cry and I will sing a lullaby. Well why yeah, I'm crying because I'm gonna go like there's a there's movement in that song that I could never explain on a on a musical or emotional in which level one? in Golden Slumbers. Right. No, no, I know what you're saying. That takes you in to carry that weight, as if to it's kind of the that moment of rest before you have to make that final that well, final push. I always thought that it was final, about the holding the coffin up. You know, carry that weight. A long time. Oh, that's a that's the Paul's Dead show. It's a whole. Yes, no, but, but that's also. But you know what, Paul? Actually, I got to read this from many years from now by Barry Miles. Yeah. Paul said uh, it was heavy, which I think has a lot of revisionist history in it. Maybe. I'll just leave well, it that, that Paul does that. Yeah. And, and I love her. We and the Barry Miles book, I think, bit. reeks of it. Okay, but anyway. But anyway. Paul said it was heavy. Heavy was a very operative word at that time, heavy man, but now it actually felt heavy. That's what Carry That Weight was about, not the light, rather easygoing heaviness, albeit witty and sometimes cruel, but with an edge you could exist within and which always had a place for you to be in. In this heaviness, there was no place to be. It was serious, paranoid heaviness, and it was just uncomfortable. So let me ask you, did he write both songs about himself? I don't know. Talk did he write both pieces of music about himself? Golden Slumbers is is the rest that comes with this now finally being over, with the it's time to move on. But now you have to Sorry. carry. The, but but this now was about you, Apple. He wrote. He said it's about the surreal atmosphere that sure, but at he, Apple after Alan Klein's arrival. Sure, but he was Apple though. Yeah, I know. I mean, yeah. he was Apple. I mean, you know, now all of a sudden it's because yeah, Apple was was a war at that time. You know, it or, was. Or, or a beginning of a war. Shouldn't maybe yeah. not exactly at that moment, but it was a beginning. That a year later, or less than a year later, Paul has to actually uh, April of seventy. Right. He sends out the the press release, basically saying he quit. Yeah, so, but, but, and that's why I'm saying. I mean, in a way, that had to be in. The, I mean, look, we know from the Let It Be sessions that Paul was was already thinking it was over. You know, we know from Let It Be that Paul. One of the ideas was for the Beatles to end it during the live broadcast for Let It Be. Okay. Mm. 
you know, was was actually an idea to end the Beatles live in front of millions of people. You know, he he actually he says it blatantly during a segment with Michael Lindsay Hogg. So he knows it's over. Pretty much. So maybe the idea of of Golden Slumbers being like, and then carry that weight was, you know, son of a bitch, I'm ending this thing, or I'm I'm going to carry this with me for a long friggin' time, man. That you're going to be a Beatle for the rest of your life, right? But then again, at, at that point, they. If they were thinking breakup, I don't think they were thinking the rest of their lives at that point. No, I, I don't think, think so I, either. Yeah. Because it ties right back in with the reprise of you never give me your money. Right, right. So it was maybe this is what's bringing us to this. Right. And th- and that's where you know, that song and where it becomes a medley and this sweet, right. whatever we want to call it, yeah. where it comes back to carry it, that weight and yeah. part of you never give me your money. Yeah, it has a reprise. And right. it works very well. And one thing about carry that weight... Ring, it's really Ringo on the chorus on the lead. On, you hear on that. it. Oh, yeah. He is, he is the main vocal on that. Yep. And he does a very good job on it as a singer, as leading the rest of them, so to speak. Yeah. I was very impressed with that. I've always been impressed with that Ringo voice I'm on that, that song. Way. Yeah. Well, yeah. like flying, don't go there. But no, but I mean flying. <laughs> well, no, flying's it's, the same way. Yeah. You hear Ringo very, very yeah, that's true. heavy in that. That's, that's true. <laughs> so, so, you know, carry that weight. Uh, it ends, and we, we already talked about Her Majesty, so technically the album's over. Well, no, the no, end. Hello. Oh, the I'm end. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The end. The I'm end. Sorry. You're giving I mean, a musical a, moment. The end of, is over. I was thinking the end was the end. Just yeah. the drummer again. Well, at the end of the end. That's, oh. uh, that's Paul. Oh, yeah. At the end of the It's the start end. of a journey that... Mm, yeah, anyway. I like that song. Yeah. Stop. Me too. Go ahead. Next. The okay, drum, the end. The drum sound, man. Yes, that's the, only the end. Uh, freaking drum uh, solo, which was awesome. Is... Simple. Think about the end. You know, oh, yeah, all right. Are you going to be in my dreams tonight? Right. Then it's just Ringo. And then, uh, and he never the did that. The Ringo's first and only drum solo in, yep. in a Beatles recording. And he really, he said that George Martin had to talk him into it. He did not want to do it. And and you know what it is? It's a drum solo, but it's also, you know, you can look at this stuff as as, as I said. You look at it song for song, and you kind of shake your head. You go, yeah, yeah. But now once you put it together and you've got, you're coming out of Golden Slumbers, you're coming out of Carry That Weight, you come into that drum bit, it's almost kind of like that drum piece leads you into the, each of the four get their moment. Well, that's get what Ringo the said. Get moment. Ringo gets that and Ringo, in a way, brings about, let's wrap it up. Ringo brings, the drum solo brings you into that those three incredible guitar dueling guitar pieces. The three, right. Most people don't know that it is the three of them one by one doing it. Paul Taking leading off and going on. And, yeah. And, and each guitar solo for them is, is very distinct. Very distinct. John's is very noisy. Yep. Not the sound of the guitar, but just all the chord, you know, the notes he's playing. Paul is that, that typical Paul McCartney guitar solo. And George is, he's realizing it's two beats. Or, or two bars, and he knows where exactly where the notes are going. He's completely tasty, and, and it, it's indicative of each of their styles. It's indicative of where each of them were going to go, in a way. And it's, uh, to me, and it's a conversation. Yeah. It's conversational. It's, it's a, a great way to end it, considering the lack of communication that was happening during this time with them. Yeah. It's sort of, we're not going to talk to each other maybe the way we used to, but here, here we are making this great guitar sound and drum sound yep. and the ending. I, I said I think I said it wrong. And in the end, 
the love you take right. is equal to the love, love you, you make. make. I said it the opposite, which yeah. I was dope. It's funny because George suggested the idea of the guitar solo. Lennon said they should trade solos, and McCartney went first. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It, it works best if Paul gets the, the it, lead off. But it yes. was done in one take. That's what's amazing. The guitar solos are cut live against the backing track in one take. Yeah, it's it's just. But at that point, that was probably all you needed to no, just express you love. No, very nice. And, and it's but not it was... that long when you think about it. But no. it's but it's a great, very effective. It's a great face-off. Yep. So to speak, of the, yeah. the three differences in their their playing. Well, what I love about when Paul does it live now, he lets Rusty, Brian, and yeah. him yeah. do all of that. Solos. So it's like giving a nod to the other two, even though most people don't say they always see the here today and the something, and they say, oh, it's a nod. To, but really, he's doing the same thing when he does the end. Sure, right. sure. Musically, I, in my opinion, one of the most, one of the top 20 perfect moments in their catalog. Mm-hmm. When you, one of yeah. yeah. Particularly when you come out of the guitar solo with that yank, and you right to the piano, mm. right to the, those repeated piano chords. That, again, it's like you drive off the cliff in I Want You, She's So Heavy, but now you've, you get those guitar solos, and then bang, and right into that keyboard part, and the message, and that and, one line, the and, love you take is equal to the love you make. And also, George's guitar playing is very... I don't want to say Clapton-esque, but it's it's, um, it's it's not George-esque. It's like he's he's in the middle of becoming George Harrison, right? You know, right. It, if this was six months later, he'd be playing a slide guitar. Yes. Yeah. So it's sort of on the way to that. And and if you think about that song, also, they use a very little orchestra, but it's so important to that song. That oh it's, yeah, it's like it, twenty well, seconds or something. George Martin. Yeah, and and yeah. it's and he you know, he's technically on that track too. So it's the five of them really. In the way, saying that's true goodbye. too. I didn't even yeah. think of that. That's right. Yeah. The so, way it always should be right. because, yeah. yeah. So George yeah. Martin was, you know, arguably the fifth Beatle. Yeah, definitely. Arguably, uh, and obviously, and then it works very well as it's just a, as you know. How can you have that not be the last song, except for Her Majesty, of right. course? But Her Majesty's a throwaway song, though it was listed on the label on the yeah. on the actual label of the record. So it's not really a hidden song. It's just. The way they placed it, it's sort of. Well, it wasn't on some of the back covers, you know. So no, no the back early covers, on. no. But on the label itself, oh, yeah, 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 right, was. right. So all right, so that gets us through the tracks. Yeah, the tracks. Uh, uh, we just have to talk a, a later bit that about same the, week. <laughs> a little bit of the yeah. Well, a couple couple of things I want to bring up. First of all, there were six photos taken by Ian McMillan. Right. The one they chose is the, uh, the six is the, is the best is the one. Best. Yep, they're uh, in step. They, they the others are not. Step. And if you ever go to that walkway. The thing, if you watch the Beatles, John's hands in his pockets, everyone, when they take the picture, they look like they're scissor men, including me when I went. Because I looked back at the picture, I'm like, oh my God, I look horrible. I look like I'm a scissor man. Uh, you, if you're going to do it, you have to keep your arms straight, maybe in your pockets or something along those lines. Because John does it. And I took off my shoes. I did that too. I took off my clothes. Fe- well, I got idiot. arrested. Yeah. <laughs> I, I took off Actually, my shoes in February. The London jail's not very nice. No, it's no, not well, really isn't. And yeah. you're not that pretty. And there's, then there's no message with Paul walking barefoot across. <laughs> he had sandals in some of the pictures. And right. A couple of the others. And, right. You know, he has the bare feet. <laughs> and, uh, the cigarette. I have to say, I was very disappointed when the reissue in 2009 came out and you had literally postage stamps yeah. of the six photos. I'm like, come Ridiculous. on, this is the most famous cover, yeah. maybe more famous than Pepper. Mm. Yeah. I would say because Pepper was was copied so fast 
this wasn't as copied as much. No. And it looked different. You know, the Ruddles, of course, had, you know, Stig O'Hara walking without pants. Right. Uh, right. I like that. Booker T and the MGs took a picture, similar type of picture in front of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. With the, you know. On their schwanks. Socks on their schwanstuckers. Schwanstuckers. And enormous feet. Wasn't there a Simpsons one too? Yes, yes. yes. Yeah, so. There was a, a lot and yeah. Baby Road, which I love. Oh <laughs> yeah, well look, uh, they've they've had the Muppets doing it. Right, yeah. everybody's imitated that cover. Now originally the album was supposed to be called Everest, Everest, only because of the cigarettes that they saw. I think Jeff, Jeff Emmerich was smoking was smoking Everest, Everest cigarettes, so they were going to do it. And, you know, and let's face it, recording this album was kind of like climbing it, or oh, well, it, which yeah. is true. And then yeah. finally they said, Paul said, let's just call it Abbey Road and walk across the street. There's great pictures of that old lady in the house. Oh, that, is, that was, <laughs> you know, one of the things about being a Beatle fan is seemingly every month there are these pictures we've never seen yeah, before. Yeah, they keep coming out. Like the pictures of, of Yoko and Linda in the in studio. In the bed, yeah. In the right. bed. Right. I'd never seen that before. Nobody until, did, yeah. And, but the, the old lady talking to Ringo and Paul, I mean, that's just funny it's stuff. It's hysterical. Like, she's like, just looking at them like, oh, hi, guy. And, and every time I look at that picture now, I think, <laughs> just like they was before they <laughs> was. was. Yeah, exactly. It and, just and, doesn't make sense. And I mentioned before the nice picture that Linda took of the four of them on the steps of EMI. Yes, but the, she took a bunch of those, and, right. and the nice one of them on the steps is great, but there's a couple of others where they're all looking in different directions. Yes, like they're so yes. bored, yeah. and they're and you can tell it's the end. Yes. Yeah, you can tell. Yeah. But some of them are really fun with John and Paul are talking right, to each other, right. but then next step, you see them all like looking up and looking away. Yeah. Some of them, they're laughing like crazy. There's that one really great one where Paul is leading them or not leading them in the middle, and he's got his arm pointing. Yes. And they have used that oh, a lot in subsequent. Yeah. Well, yeah, like like there's a picture of One Direction crossing Abbey Road, yeah. and then they have a picture of the Beatles with that Paul, and it says, get the F out of here. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Oh, it's really very funny. That's funny. It's on the internet if you want to look at and it. One thing, if you want to look at how, how much great work was put into the preparation of Side 2, Get the rock band mixes yeah. of yeah. Abbey Road and see how you know stuff was recorded together and then imagine you had to put it all together. Right. I mean, nowadays right. it would be real simple with Pro Tools, but they were overlapping things where it was really tough to do the way they did it, and they were just working with tape machines. And that was one of the things I learned from the rock band mixes, which I, I truly appreciate. But Abbey Road was the one that I'm like, whoa. I can't believe how they got it all together. Damned impressive. Because there, there, yeah. there was pieces that they'd sort of edited together. Yeah. And it's very cool. And one more thing. In 1969, eight tracks and oh, cassettes yeah. Yeah. Click, click. were You never were big. give me your click <laughs> money. Now, now there, a like. lot of people, I'm sure, had eight tracks in their car, so they might have heard the eight-track version of Abbey Road. I just want to quickly read eight the way it works. Again. <laughs> okay. Come together, Maxwell Silverhammer, Oh Darling, Her Majesty. <laughs> Program two. Here comes the sun because something, two George songs nearly back-to-back, Octopus's Garden. Program three, click. <laughs> I want you, she's so heavy. You never give me your money. <laughs> And then uh, side I four, basically, is the so medley. Heavy, you never you give, never me, give your me your money. money. And then, wow. <laughs> and then it's side four, cluster. Sun. She can't find her money. She's yeah. too heavy. Then si- uh, program four is the Sun King to the end. Yeah, they really, and, and again, some of those, we, all kidding aside, some of the eight tracks, we've discussed this in the past, are really cool because, and collectible, not because you hear the click, but because right. they're, like we were saying, 
Beatles' second Beatles album. second album has And I Love Her. Yeah, Go figure. But they're collectible for that because it's a yes. different listen. Yeah. This album, if you only got, like Rob said, if you only got the A-track, oh my God, what That's a different true. listen. I never thought of that. Yeah. Imagine if you were a kid and all you had was the A-track. Right, you didn't you get go. an album. You didn't get, and you're listening to this. Oh, that was such a weird album. But then yeah. you got the album, and you're yeah. like, oh, wait, I almost, you know what? I want to write that down because I want to go sequence that on a CD and listen to it yeah, and it, see if my brain falls out. It anyway, will. It will. That's if it cool. does. Let me let me know. <laughs> if anybody out there finds it, send two. Fab four. Anyway, sorry. We have to rate the album. So we do have to rate the album. How would you rate this album, Sir Mitchell? Oh, you had to come to me first. No. Okay. Oh, no. Good. Uh, you no, 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 I'll, I'll go first. Uh, I, uh, I've said. Before this is not my favorite Beatle album. That doesn't mean I don't like it. That doesn't mean I don't think it's a ten. That doesn't mean I don't think it's a nine. But it is not my favorite Beatle album. Revolver, Hardy's Night, a lot of them with the Beatles. Uh, there are a lot of that do it for me better than this. But everybody always says this one because it's the last one. It's the classic one. It's even though let it be. But to me, it's just not my favorite album. That doesn't mean I don't think it's brilliant because there are a lot of brilliant Beatle albums. Uh, honestly. Uh, I'm going to give it a nine and a half. I don't give it the 10. I just don't. To me, it's not a masterpiece. I think it's nine and a half. Wow. I, I don't think it's a masterpiece. Wow. Okay. I personally, I like, I want you, she's so heavy. I don't love it. I'm not saying it's bad. I like it a lot. If you take a something like Revolver, which every track is brilliant to me, that's a 10. Abbey Road to me is a nine and a half. How's that? Okay. Anthony? Confusing as all hell for me. It, it's one of these things where... You know, as I was saying before, if I take Revolver song by song, it's a 10. You know, mm-hmm. truthfully, if I take Rubber Soul song by song. Right. You know. Correct. It's a 10. Right. You know, I mean, what do you, what do, you do? But this album, if I take it song by song, it's just not. But I, I got to disagree. Be- you said it before. The, the sum of the whole. You know, yeah. The whole that, is more than, more than the sum the of the parts. parts. Yeah. I mean. That's true. So I, that, I've, I've actually got that theory, a, then you got to give it a 10. I've, I've actually got to kind of. Just go a little bit against what you were saying with it, with the fact that I think as a whole, the record stands up as a work of art. If I if I look at it, if I listen to it, the minute I hear, unless I'm hearing it on sixty two on sixty seven seventy, and I know that's what I'm listening to, the minute I hear, I know, uh, shoot, this album's gonna track all the way. I'm gonna listen to the whole thing. I can't jump ship on this record. I I stay with it. Like you, you, you're in it. You're in it. Mm-hmm. You know. So for me, I kind of guess I need to give it a ten. Okay. It's just as a piece you're of allowed. work. It's the one that Pepper. I can bail out anytime. Honestly, I can get out of Pepper without. I, and without I did for years with within you without you. And even I'm saying like when I put it on, I can you know, I can drop the needle on Sergeant Pepper and halfway through go. Yeah, I'm gonna do something else. You yeah, never push go. skip in your CD player with this. No. No. Okay. I'm not Even saying as I do, much but. as I think I'm going to with I want you, once I'm in it, I don't. Like I I, I understand. It's the weirdest thing. The, and like it, I no, said, there's nothing weird about it. I I you know completely understand. Whereas with Pepper I can I can bail out. Yeah. You know, even though I do love a lot I mean I love a lot of the songs on Pepper, as an experience, I don't have to go See, through it. Sonically with Pepper, when it gets to within you without oh, you, God. sonically I turn it up. Because yeah, sonically, we'll that's, that's well, uh, that was but within this. you, without you, I mean, you know, I mean, there are parts of Pepper that are obviously it's a man, you know, or a masterpiece works. They're masterworks. But, well, but as I don't a, consider Pepper a masterpiece. No, I, I think Pepper's dated. 
Yeah, we've talked about Is the about problem. That. And to me, I think that's the, really the sole problem. Abbey Road's not dated. Abbey Road's nope. not dated. To me, it's so, also the album, if I'm at a party, I'm putting this one on first. Oh, I don't know about that. Because I think, I'm putting on Beatles' second album first. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that'd be a good one. But yeah. most likely, people would have Abbey Road before the second album. This, True. This is an album that was a huge seller. Millions and millions and billions of But copies. not, we didn't even talk about the reception. No. It was not well received when it first came out. It's, no. It was not. I mean, no. if you look at all critically, the, critically it no, was it not well received. It was lukewarm at best. Some people called it even overpolished Beatles. So in retrospect, it's always on the top, you know, the list now right. with Revolver. But back then, it was not the greatest. It's weird as hell, though, because I can sit here and still go, well, you know, not my favorite Beatles album. Right, but it's still a 10. But yet, it's, it's I, still I, a 10. I, I, it's I'm the weirdest a, thing. No, it's not weird. I, that, I, that's no, the power no, of the no, Beatles. No, but it's also what you said. The, if, you, if you take it away part by part, it doesn't hold up the way it does as an album, as a collection of fine performances Right. Great performances, really, from all four Beatles. Right. Songwriting and George Martin's productions on it. And um, there's just a great sound to it. So I, I give it a 10. But I know what you're saying about the hole in the parts. And I know what you're saying that it's not your favorite record. Because if you think about it. Sometimes I have to skip the medley. Well, I, Interesting. my, my I problem is when you skip it, it goes song by song, which wasn't recorded that way. Right. I wish they they just changed skip the to index. the end, whatever it is. Yeah, right. You know, change the index on it a little bit. So one big song. Skip the medley. You would just be going right to Her Majesty. No, no, you'd like no, no, no. You'd they, have the two parts of the medley. The two parts of the medley, and, right? And also right. the way it, it just goes, like if you hit random. You know, yeah. Side one yeah. is just masterpiece. Yeah. Side one is a masterpiece. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Side two, whether, I, if I'm in the mood, I love the medley. If I'm not in the mood, I don't love see, the medley. See, normally for me, I'd be saying like side one, Maxwell Silver Hammer, I want to punch him in the head. No, see, I, I, like, it, I, I, it flows again in as retrospect, a song. Right. But, but in retrospect, yeah. as a full side, you just said it. It flows. If you gave right. me Maxwell Silver Hammer the lead go, off track, I'd want to kill myself. I want to punch him in the heart. And, I yeah. really do. I want to <laughs> I want to go. It's Because it's a dune. It's a really Dumbass little con- song. But in the con- no, it's not after no, we've I know talked about mean, it. But, but, but in the context of side one, it's perfect it's, because that's the way it's been ingrained yes, in our brain. But as it's I also it's also just it's also just cool as hell in the work. In Even though work. if you took that song, I'd be like, I really just don't really love that song like right. at all. I understand, which is why I gave the but album a nine and a half. Weird, and it's also anyway. the reason why it wasn't released as a single. Well, yeah. Well, there. Well, also anyway. the fact that they're bludgeoned. Or, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Maxwell Silver Hammer by. Hey, Steve. here's a great new song by the Beatles about a bludgeoning. It's Maxwell Silver Hammer. <laughs> a lot of people like. Steve, Steve Martin did a nice version. Yeah. That's true. Uh, I don't think he did. I know. Anyway. Well, I like it. All right. Still a go? Still a go. (laughs) So, I'm a 10. What are you? What number are you? I was a 10. Nine and a half. Nine and a half. That's pretty good. That's not. Oh, it's it's it's. it's and again, ask me next week. I might be a nine and a half. And I, <laughs> I might, and I might be a ten. And you might be a ten. So <laughs> well, we do change our mind. I look in the mirror and I'm never going to be a ten. I'm never going to be a ten. Yeah. I look in the mirror and you're never going to be a ten either. Oh God! <laughs> right now, people, I'm holding my middle finger up. <laughs> Who loves you, buddy? No one. <laughs> and that just about does it for our review of Abbey Road today on the Fab Four Free for All. I'm your moderator for today, Rob Leonard, and joining me. As always is Mitch Axelrod and Tony Trigrano. 
And thank you for listening. If you have any comments, please go to our Facebook page and leave anything you want, as long as it's nice and positive and <laughs> uplifting and happy and joyful. <laughs> no and, constructive criticism. Uh, we don't, we want don't any, like that. We don't want any mean things on our Facebook page. No we're death trying, threats of me, please. No we're, mean we're trying to eliminate all those people out of our lives, man. <laughs> you know, we've been trying to sit back and Half say- my family's going to be gone. If everyone is, gets doing? together and, and, and likes each other and oh loves each other- Because united we sing, we fall. <laughs> the way we die. Sorry. <laughs> what the hell was that? <laughs> I'm doing, come on, people now, everybody get together. Oh, I'm, and I'm, I'm doing United We Stand, stand by the Brother. And wow. I'm also, if you want, we can sing like, uh, everybody get, <laughs> get together, together try to love one another right now. <laughs> right now. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> Fab Four Free For All was edited and produced by Tony Chiguardo at Word of Mouth Studios in Westbury, New York. The opening and closing theme is My Dolly by the band The Badge, featuring longtime listener Jeff Slate, available on its debut album Digital Retro and recent Best Of compilation, as well as from the Fab Four Free For All website. Thanks for listening to Fab Four Free For All. Uh, I'll wait. Go go ahead, Mr. Axelrod. Okay. Oh, you want now? Now? Axelrod, pick up. End of episode. Take one. How dare you fought before me? <laughs> I, I didn't, didn't know, know it was, was your, your turn, turn baby. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. All right, you ready? <clears throat> I, I really got hungry. It's like I just had pot. It's like the one day. Just had pot. Hey, I'm in vegetables and pot. And pot. Sorry. Yummy, yummy, yummy. <laughs> no, Oogie, that's a... <laughs> Meatloaf and pot. And pot. <laughs> okay. That's Paul McCartney's veggie meatloaf. McCartney's diet. Yeah. And pot. Sorry. And pot. All right, so where did we leave off now? I believe it was polythene Pam and two. Okay. I'm going to try it in and family guy. <laughs> 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 All right, let's go. Okay, what are we doing? You Abbey never Road? give me your. You never give me your. Your, mo- your money. Your schwanstucker. <laughs> you must have an enormous schwanstucker. <laughs> goes without okay, saying. Okay, you ready? Please stand by. What am I doing? Spanish. Spanish. Spanish lyrics for Cuando para mucho que peliche mi amor y corazón. It means something my heart. Cuando is when. When my lover. Cuando para mucho. When oh, we got to mention Nicknos too, by the way. What? Oh, yeah, that's the uh, Backward Sun King. Yes. Wow. All it right. means like when my. What? God, we need to eat food. Yeah, we need lunch. Where'd that come from? I'm starving. We need to eat food. So, on that note. Anyway, thank you all for listening to our review of the Abbey Road album. This has been another. You fu- said the Abbey Road, just uh, like I? the no, Fab Four Free For the Abbey Road album. Yes, but it should be Abbey Road. You can't say thank you for listening to our review of Abbey Road album. You yeah, shouldn't say. Right. Of, you right. just have to say of Abbey of Road. Okay. I was using the proper use for the. Yeah, you My were. My father, but the English teacher, would be very proud. But uh, for Fab Four Free For, you're the. 
Uh, yeah, well, it's the Fab Four Free for All. Oh, it's uh, no, thank you. Next week we'll be reviewing albums by The Cream, The Jefferson Airplane, and The Pink Floyd. Hey, the first single of Cream was The Cream. I you know, know that. I know that. That's the joke <laughs> of the crap. Crap. Anyway, anyway no. thank you for listening to Please. our review of Abbey Road. Thank you on the Fab Four Free for All. I am your moderator for today, Rob Leonard, and joining me, of course, is Mitchell. Or has been. I'm not a has been. Oh, oh my god. god. Joining me has been a has. Been. Oh, I didn't say a has been. I said joining me has been. Oh, has, here we go. He said the has. The oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, fuck. Oh, hey, oh, hey, hey, okay. For our Italian friends, that means. Oh. And uh, thank you for listening to today's edition of The Fab for Free for All as our review of Abbey Road went on and on and on. <laughs> Much longer than the road itself. Start it again. Longer than the road itself. Don't go where the road don't, don't go. go. Come on, just do it again. Don't go near Abbey Road. No, uh, well, yeah, you'll get killed. <laughs> and you'll they have a camera outrun. filming it, too. Um, yes, so you'll die on film. Uh, yeah. Um, sort okay. of like Russell Crowe in his last few movies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hold on. No. All right. And that just about does it for our review of Abbey Road. And Shatner? And that, <laughs> that just about does it. Can you do it one more time? Okay. <laughs> it was like, and no, that. I like that one. Uh, like the that one? No, go. Shatner, baby. Shatner. Shatner. Okay. I shat. And that just about... <laughs> you stepped right you on... <laughs> you stepped in shat on that one. Yeah, that was your fault. That was I was, your I was fault, ready. Dude. The pause was there. And you, you couldn't let it be silent. You shat on that. let it be silent. all over him. It was like a, it was a splatter. A, a shatter. A, diaper. a shatter. A splatter of shat. Wow. <laughs> a splat uh, shat. Okay. <laughs> it's a shat. <laughs> it's, it's a shat splat. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I had a shat splat. <laughs> oh, oh okay. go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, hold on. <laughs>